namaste. Um, <clears throat> hi, this is part 20 of chicken philosophy. If you're a little confused, so am I. <laughs> Go ahead and click here. That'll take you to the playlist. And uh, you can start with the first episode. This is a little tacky. Having the shirt from uh, two episodes ago on the back of the chair. Kind of makes you wonder, doesn't it? If it's been on the back of the chair since two episodes ago. No comment. See, I've still got a few more shirts before I have to start wearing shirts that I've worn before. I mean, on previous episodes. <sighs> That's some good incense. Which incense is that? African something? It's like a pink package from Newton. Never mind. Uh, I guess I'll go ahead and get to it. Got the old magnifying glass here in case I need it. And, uh, cheers. Okay, let's get to it. <clears throat> Religious experiences led to new forms of personal relations. You noted that, quote, no individual can exist without individual relationships. And that is how the foundation of your church is laid. End quote. This, then, was the task that confronted analytical psychology. To form an invisible church. Where have I heard that? An invisible church, eh? Um, without succumbing to institutionalization. Jung was also here drawing together the notion from, from Libernovus that, quote, the anointed of this time, end quote, was a god who would appear in the spirit as opposed to the flesh. Quote, through the spirit of men as the conceiving womb, end quote, as his soul had explained to him the previous year, this new religion would manifest itself through transformed human relations. Evidently, Jung's relations with his wife and Tony Wolfe the, quote, experimentum crucis, end quote, was related to this. Uh, decades later, he would write, quote, the unrelated human being lacks wholeness, for he can achieve wholeness only through the soul, and the soul cannot exist without its other side, which is always found in a, quote, then quotes, you. End quote, within quotes, end quote. <clears throat> Individuation required conscious relationship. Following the Polziath seminar, Carrie D'Angelo wrote a paper on, quote, individual relationships, end quote. She began by noting, 
in the past, in the last, this is small font, <clears throat> in the last two or three sessions of our summer school at Polziath, we discussed the possible contribution to be made by analytical psychology to the, quote, church, end quote, of the future. We meant by this ill-omened word church the inevitable form, you can't spell inevitable without table, form which will be assumed by the ideas of today that tend toward a new synthesis of subjective experience. The special contribution of analysis was thought to be the building up of the right sorts of relationships, both individual and collective, and the vision of a future in which one came into full self-expression through relationships instead of skulking into them, hemmed by a thousand fears, was very enticing. <clears throat> As she saw it, for there to be real relationships, a higher degree of consciousness than had hitherto been possible was necessary, and it was the task of analytical psychology to facilitate it. She proposed a written symposium on the subject and circulated her paper. <clears throat> Emma Jung wrote a response, indicating that she was essentially in agreement, but thought that further considerations needed to be given to, quote, the complications that arise when the principles should come into life, end quote. She highlighted the need for a maximum of consciousness, mutual equality, and candor, describing unconsciousness as the, quote, only sin, end quote. The value of a relationship, she said, could be measured by, quote, the ability it has of making appear and live the individuality of the persons involved, quote. For Jung and his close circle, such questions were essential, as well as theoretical. On April 30, 1923, Eugen Schlegel, a lawyer and member of the club, recommended that the club try to involve Jung again. A correspondence ensued later that year between Jung and Alphonse Maeder. In this regard, Jung's position was that he would return only if his collaboration was clearly and unanimously desired. There, there was heated discussion within the club. In February 1924, Hans Trube, with two dots over the U, like Schlangenunheimer, you know, stepped down as president, and a letter was sent to Jung asking him to return, which he did a month later. <clears throat> In May 1924, Jung gave a series of three lectures on, quote, analytical psychology and education, end quote, in London, under the auspices of the New Educational Fellowship, parentheses, N-E-F, end parentheses. The fellowship had been founded by Beatrice Enzer, 
a theosophical educationalist. She had met Jung the previous year at the conference organized by the NEF on, quote, education for creative service, end quote, at Montreux. Montreux. It's French, I assume, where he had spoken. In the mid-twenties, publication of Liber Novus seems to have been one of the foremost issues in Jung's mind. At the beginning of 1924, he asked Carrie Baines to make a fresh typed transcript of the text and discussed publication. She noted in her diary, So then you said I was to copy down the contents of the Red Book. Once before you had had it copied, but you had since then added a great deal of material. You can't spell material without rail. <clears throat> Real, excuse me. So you wanted it done again, and you would explain things to me as I went along, for you understood nearly everything in it, you said. In this way, we could come to discuss many things which never came up in my analysis, and I could understand your ideas from the foundation. Oh, okay. <clears throat> in her diary, speaking in the second person about Jung. Okay. Uh, Jung discussed with his colleague, Wolfgang Stockmer, the form that publication might take. He went back to the corrected draft and edited again, deleting and adding material on approximately 250 pages. If I'm not mistaken, it, it ended up not being published until after he passed, right? Well, I guess if I'm wrong about that, we'll be corrected. There it is. There it is. Okay. <clears throat> His revisions served to modernize the language and terminology. He also revised some of what he had already transcribed into the calligraphic volume of Liber Novus, as well as material that had been left out. That's the end of the section. The section that was called... The Psychology of the Religion-Making Process. All right. The next section is called New Mexico. Or Mexico, if you pronounce the X. In January 1925, Jung visited the Pueblo Indians in Taos, New Mexico. He thought that when he was in the Sahara, he had been with a civilization that had the same relationship to Western civilization that Roman antiquity did. Okay. This led him to want to continue the historical comparison, quote, by descending to a still deeper cultural level. I'll take deeper. Deeper is okay. Watch it. All right, sorry. Um, in the 20s, Many artists and writers went to New Mexico in recognition of the bankruptcy of American civilization. Oh, I want to read that sentence again. This is the 1920s, by the way, not the 2020s. I'll read it again, slowly. In the 20s, many artists and writers went to New Mexico 
in recognition of the bankruptcy of American civilization. I like it. And then there were some that went to Paris, of course, Paris, to do writing, usually. Anyway. Oh, what was that movie? Unfortunately, it's a Warhol, not a Warhol. Who's the guy, the pervert? You know, the one who married his his daughter, I mean, stepdaughter, or whatever. Um, Woody, not Harrelson. Alan? Yeah, I think so. That one. He made a movie. It's actually worth seeing. Um, with like, I want to say Matthew McConaughey, but it might have been the other blonde guy. Well, anyway, it's worth seeing. I won't do any spoilers. I'll just say it takes place in Paris. Okay. Um, pirated, though. Okay. All right. Where were we? Yes. Mm -hmm. The Indians were viewed as people who had maintained their cultural integrity. By the way, we're talking about the First Nations peoples, who apparently, many of which call themselves Indians. They're like, dude, we've been calling ourselves Indians for like 500, 600 years. You took, took everything from us and gave us this stupid name, and now you want to take that too? Fuck you, is the attitude of many First Nations peoples. Anyway, back then they still called them Indians. All right, uh, and being in India here with the real Indians, is that PC? I'm going to keep reading. All righty, all Speaking of, mm -hmm. the new season's coming out, and nobody knows who's voicing uh, Doc and Marty. Let's see. Okay, the Indians were viewed as a people who had maintained their cultural integrity and were rooted in communities with living traditions. Thus, they were looked to as a source of renewal for white culture. Jung's visit was arranged by Jean d'Angelo. By the way, I think my dad took me to a uh, Native American reservation back when they still called, it, called them Indians uh, in the 80s. Um, in New Mexico, if I'm not mistaken. It might have been Arizona, but... Anyway... Um, <clears throat> yes... A linguist, ethnologist, ethno... Um, what the hell is that word? Ethnomusicologist, writer, and patron saint of the bear generation. Excuse me. The beat generation. All right. Let me just try that sentence again. Jung's visit was arranged by Jean d'Angelo a linguist, ethnologist, ethnomusicologist, writer, and patron saint of the Beat Generation. Not the Beaten Generation, the the fans. Never mind. In December 1924, Jung visited America. Was this after New Mexico? That's a joke, by the way, for people who aren't that familiar with the subtleties of North American geography. New Mexico is a state in the United States. 
America is the common slang name for the United States of America, but there's North America, Central America, and South America. So kind of technically everything from like the North Pole to Argentina should count as America, but it's not. Anyway. Um, where was I? Mm -hmm. Shortly after the trip, Jean D'Angelo wrote to Mabel Dodge about how he managed to take Jung to Taos and of what ensued. <clears throat> All right. What ensued? Let's find out. I made up my mind that I would kidnap him if necessary and take him to Taos for dots. It was a revelation to him, the whole thing. Of course, I had prepared Mountain Lake, of course. Um, he and Jung made contact immediately and had a long talk on religion. Oh, Mountain Lake is a person. Okay, all right, that's reasonable. Jung said that I was perfectly right in all that I had intuited about their psychological condition. He said that evening, bracket parentheses, comma, end bracket parentheses, quote, I think because in the original writing, he didn't put the comma where he was supposed to before the quote started. Jam, Jami, an ethnobiologist, ethnomusicologist, but apparently... Forgets a comma now and then. <laughs> Quote, I had the extraordinary sensation that I was talking to an Egyptian priest of the 15th century before Christ. End quote. Oh, okay. All right, I'm watching you. Not you, you. Um, but no, okay, I'll allow it. Two issues appear to have particularly struck Jung. The first was Mountain Lake's view of the white man. I asked him why he thought the whites were all mad. He replied, quote, They say that they think with their heads. End quote. Quote, why, of course, where do you think? End quote. I asked him in surprise. We think here. He said, indicating his heart. I fell into a long meditation. For the first time in my life, so it seemed to me, someone had drawn for me a picture of the real white man. Okay. The second was the role of the sun in Pueblo religion and cosmology. Quote, he said, pointing to the sun, quote with the quotes, is not he who moves there our father? How can anyone say differently? Well, you see, the Nords, never mind. How can there be another god? Nothing can be without the sun, end quote with quotes, end quote. I mean, it's a fair point. <clears throat> Mountain Lake added, quote, we are the sons of father son. I'm hearing like, Dead Can Dance playing in my head, which tells you something about my generation and psychology and whiteness, right? We are the stars which sing. We sing with our life. We are the birds of fire. We fly over the sky. Our life is a voice. 
We make a road for the Spirit to pass over. For the Spirit to pass over. If it's not playing in your head, I feel sorry for you. Uh, and I don't even know what to tell you to Google. Um, I mean, you could Google dead can dance and then in quotes, um, for the spirit to pass over end quote, and then that'll take you to the lyrics and then you can get the title of the song and then you can Google that and play it. Just stop watching this and then go listen to that and then come back so that it can be playing in your head while Mountain Lake is talking. Okay, where were we? Um, <clears throat> he added, quote, We are the sons of Father's Son, and with our religion we daily help our Father to go across the sky. We do this not only for ourselves, but for the whole world. If we were to cease practicing our religion in ten years, the sun would no longer rise. End quote. I remember hearing about this. My parents, I don't know, I think it was my mom? Maybe my dad? I don't know. But I remember the idea being implanted in my head that there are Native American tribes who do a ritual every morning and they believe that if they didn't do that ritual, the sun wouldn't rise. But yeah, I think that this is the source of that meme that they got in their brain and passed to me and it, now it's in its unaltered form that in 10 years it would stop rising this prompted me one time in 1996 to drive up the two up angeles crest to turn right onto the road that goes up to the top of mount wilson to go past the point where you usually stop with your date to look at the view, you know, and to go around to the other side. Actually, I parked at the end there and walked to the other side and saw a coyote. And of course, I was, you know, like a practicus and the golden dawn, so I was thinking of Anubis, so I followed the coyote, like you do, and uh, went down and... Uh, there was a clearing, like a, like a, an area where there were no trees. Like maybe there was like some big rock or, you know, some area where trees didn't grow. And it was flat. And uh, it was, I think, February 15th of 1996. No, 1997. I think. No, 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 that was a different time. So this, this was probably 1996 sometime. And, uh, but it was morning. I don't know if I slept in the car or I drove up there in the middle of the night. I think I slept in the car, but I probably drove up there at like 1 a.m. anyway. And uh, so the sky was starting to get light. And so I had this I, little idea, all right? Um... I, I went, I did uh, Lesser Banishing Ritual, the Pentagram, Lesser Banishing Ritual, the Hexagram, Adoration of the Lord of the Universe, Invocation of the Lord of the Universe, Middle Pillar Ritual, like you do. And, uh, but I was facing east instead of west. And, oh, no, 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 
Yeah, no, okay, I did Turbo Middle Pillar, which is where you start with the uh, the Divine Name in Absolute, then the Archangelic Name in Bria, the Choir of Angels in Yetzirah, and then the Heaven of Asaya and Asaya, obviously. Asiya, I know. <laughs> anyway, um, and then I turned and faced east, and then I think I might have done... Did I know... I don't know. I don't think I knew. I had peeked. I had peeked ahead, but I don't think I knew the invocation hexagrams of the sun. So I did just, I just went through the hierarchy of the sun. And I think I vibrated each one six times. And uh, it was timed nicely because the sun started to rise. That little bit of light started to rise. Okay, now I know when this was. Um, approximately. Uh, at least I know what event was surrounding it. And, uh, yeah, it was nice. I, I invoked the sun, and the sun rose. And then that whole day, I was consciously, like, wherever the sun was, I was, like, aware of it. Like, I had something to do with it being there. And it was nice, and it was inspired by the thing my parents told me, which was said by Mountain Lake to Carl Jung, but I didn't know that part of the story until right now. But I already have a story that involves this story, which is fun. And uh, incidentally, there's a, uh, there's a, a ritual performance I did, and... Uh, I think for good reason. Yeah, yeah. No, I did do I did do a, a sun invoking hexagram to the sun. I actually went to the window and did the hexagrams uh, at the sun itself. The physical sun was shining through the window when I did it. And uh, if you want, you can watch it. It's right here. I recorded it. Actually, I live streamed it back in seven years ago or so, and then uh, put it up on YouTube, I don't know, within the past year. Some fucker came on and was like, oh, you have a whole LARPing room. Do you do sword fights too? And I'm like, yeah. You want to see me put my lightsaber up your butt? I didn't say that. I thought it. I felt it. Asshole. Um, all right, well, you know, I'll keep reading because there's still a few more minutes and I haven't finished this section yet. Um, right, yes. Jung was impressed to encounter a solar monotheism. It seemed to him to correspond to a spiritual disposition that was several thousand years old. Probably more than that. Um, by contrast, the mythic and cosmological embeddedness of the Pueblo Indians showed us precisely what we had lost, he believed, and our spiritual poverty of the Pueblo Indian, he said, oh, and our, uh, and our spiritual poverty, period. Of the Pueblo Indian, he said, quote, such a man is in the fullest sense of the word in his place, end quote. And he doesn't mean that like the way when people say, like, you should know your place, put you in your place. 
obviously. It's different. He's Swiss anyway, so he probably sounds different in whatever they speak in Switzerland. Uh, French, German, English. Right? Franglogern, or whatever you call it. Okay, solar mythology plays a significant role in the black books. It is likely that Jung would have been reminded of his dream of praying to the sun. In his encounter with Ammonius, is Dubar's longing for the sun and regeneration through becoming the sun and the role of the sun god. Is that a sentence? Okay, let me try that again. It is likely that Jung would have been reminded of his dream of praying to the sun in his encounter with Ammonius. Is Dubar's longing for the sun and regeneration through becoming the sun and the role of the sun god, with a capital G. Helios, is that a comma? Yes, Helios in the Septum Sermones. Period. Yes. Yes, that is a sentence. It's a good one. It's a good sentence. That's the end of the New Mexico section, which is like two pages. Two and seven-eighths pages. And how far are we along? We're about halfway through the first book. And then after that, we will get to the actual black books rather than like Sony's synopsis of the black books. And it's good though. It's good to have a whole picture so that when we get to here, we kind of know what we're looking at and maybe even might refer back to here a little bit and uh, be like, oh, right. Okay. So this was when this was happening, that kind of thing. Okay. I was really hoping to have an excuse to uh, come over here and uh, come back here and do this, but I, I don't. I have no excuse. So gradually than doing that, I will just go ahead and, uh, and say, solar powered, appropriate considering the subject matter today. When did you say? Wearing this bright yellow, uh, I didn't know it was gonna be, I don't know, my intuition not intellect knows, right, Grandpa?